Certification 101 podcast, a series of episodes where we talk about certification, what it is, who does it, and get into the details on certification best practices. Today on the show, we're going to talk about organizational structures and what is required of them at a certification body. Stay tuned. election at the time of this recording, so I got a little ahead on all of my recordings and then took a little break from making the pod in order to be election-focused. But that is finished now, and we're back to podcasting about certifications. So in this episode, we're going to talk about organizational structures and what is required of them. We're still very much in that beginning section of ISO and barely scratching the surface of certification body structures and processes. We haven't really gotten to the pros and cons yet, but we will. So in the ISO 17065 standard, impartiality is put under organizational structure. This is because the organization must be structured in such a way to guard against impartiality breaches. Not just the procedures, but the structure itself. But we've covered that already in episode 5, so I won't go back over it again. But that is a main point in the ISO standards that I wanted to circle back to to connect the dots. The second piece of the structure requirement is that the main functions of the organization need to be identified within the structure, and that's what we're going to focus on today. There's a long list within the ISO standards that lay out the requirements of what needs to be covered and that those responsibilities need to be defined. I won't touch on all of them, but a few are supervision of the policies and procedures, evaluations, reviews, certification decisions, responsiveness to complaints and appeals, competence management, and oversight of the management system of the certification body. That's not all of them, but those are the main ones. So those responsibilities are not super well defined, but you can probably gather generally what they mean. Some of them reference other sections of the standards as well, so we'll go into those in later episodes as those topics come up. Now, in most organizations, there's probably three roles that a majority, if not all, these responsibilities will fall on primarily. There's the head of the certification body, a director, a VP, president, doesn't matter the title, but that person is ultimately responsible for the CB operations and needs to be defined as such. This person ideally has knowledge of CB practices and perhaps technical knowledge, although that's not a requirement. They need to have strong integrity, strong business acumen, and great leadership. In short, they are a manager, and that manager has the overall responsibility for what happens at the CB. The second person is going to be a quality manager of some sort. Now, this role may be combined with something else, maybe some technical manager position, but ultimately, this person is responsible for the maintenance of the documentation system and its execution. They are independent, impartial, and level-headed. They drive improvement and are not afraid to call out colleagues. They are completely ingrained in the quality control of the operation. And then the third role is some sort of technical role, a person who understands the ins and outs of the standard you're certifying to. They need to be obviously technical, experienced, impartial, and detail-oriented. It's a hard role to fill because it's hard to develop internally and typically only comes with a lot of experience. So those are the three roles, and the responsibilities of the CB are generally divided up among those three primarily. Now that does not necessarily mean three people. This could be done by two different people, or perhaps some superhuman, technical, quality-oriented leader who does everything. But typically, this is at least three different people. 
but it could be even more than 3. 4, 5, 10 is certainly possible, but 3 is a good number because it centralizes the knowledge and creates a pyramid effect within the organization. Below and surrounding them are a whole host of others that support this process. So CB staffs can range from just a few, maybe 5 to 10 people, to thousands of staff members worldwide supporting and executing the processes that are defined. But it comes back to essentially those three roles. So linking back to the ISO guidelines, these roles need to be defined in terms of a CB's specific job descriptions. So hopefully each of these roles is in a job description somewhere and then linked back to the specific ISO standard that's being met. If not in a job description, then perhaps it's in a procedure somewhere where it defines who owns the process. A good structure has these three roles clearly defined, but invariably, most organizations likely have these things confused and combined with various other functions. The whole point of this requirement, though, is to drive at better structures, and my recommendation would be to have those three roles clearly separated. Leadership and strategic direction, technical, and quality. The three pillars of the certification process all working in conjunction. Now, I should also point out that not all of these roles need to be done by employees. Contractors can also perform some functions in a CV as long as there is a contract in place that includes all the basics, including confidentiality. That may be the only way to get some of these tasks done, especially if there are highs and lows in workload. A common one to outsource is technical knowledge because it's really hard to hire for and hard to develop internally. Technical knowledge in many industries is very specialized and is hard to come by, so those that have it can demand a premium through contracting. The other area to touch on is these items can potentially be covered by a committee that is external. Items such as certification decisions may not actually occur within the CB, but by a group of industry representatives or perhaps an impartial board. I was part of one of those for one year where the industry came together and essentially policed and elevated themselves because they wanted to through a certification process. And this board made the certification decisions based on recommendations and evaluations by the CB staff as well as industry volunteers. So the point here is to make sure all these various roles are defined appropriately and that not only the procedures define them, but the staff themselves can understand them. And with that, a CB can begin to build on their foundation to create a structure that scales with success. And that brings us to the end of this episode where we talked about set organizational structures. Thanks for listening to the Certification 101 podcast. I've been your host, Tom Spoden, and I'm looking forward to talking with you in the future. Stay tuned for our next episode where we're going to talk about resource availability. Looking forward to talking with you then. Take care.